Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, this is Roberta Maxwell. I played Nana Oil in the Popeye feature film, and you're listening to Comic Book Central, where comic books come to life. Welcome one and all to Comic Book Central, where comic books come to life. I'm your host, Joe Stuber. Thank you so much for joining me once again here in the lair. Hope everyone out there listening is well and safe, masking up, taking care of yourselves. Yet another fantastic guest today as I continue my 40th anniversary celebration of the 1980 feature film Popeye, one of my favorites. If you are a regular listener of this very show, you have already heard from Paul Dooley, who played Wimpy, legendary writer and cartoonist Jules Pfeiffer, who wrote the screenplay. Just last week, Donovan Scott was right here. He played Castor Oil in the film. That was Olive Oil's brother. Today, keeping it in the Oil family with the magnificent matriarch, Donovan's movie mom, star of stage and screen, Roberta Maxwell, she is going to be here today. She played Nana Oil in the fun family film, soon to be released on Blu-ray, by the way. That's going to be fantastic. And like Donovan, Roberta was also featured in the thriller Psycho 3, starring and directed by Norman himself, Anthony Perkins. Talked about those films with Donovan last week. Hope you caught that episode. Going to chat about them again today with Roberta Maxwell. She is going to be along in just a few minutes. Before we get to that chat, though, some sad news to pass along, unfortunately. Hollywood producer and friend of the show, Kevin Burns, he passed away last weekend at the age of 65. If you had a chance to hear my interview with Kevin, that was back on episode 174. You know he was a fanboy of the highest level. He produced Amy's biography, numerous documentaries, including some fantastic ones for Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Superman. Our conversation here on the show was to say the least, an extra long nerd fest where we talked about classic genre TV shows like Batman 66, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, and of course his favorite, Lost in Space. Kevin was the keeper of the flame for Lost in Space over the years. He exec produced several projects that brought the Robinson family back, uh, a TV special, a TV movie, a feature film, and of course the current Netflix hit TV series. Here's a quick look back at my chat with Kevin where we talked about his love of the series Lost in Space. Safe to say you have a fondness for this series? Um, many people would say it's an obsession. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's more than a fondness. It was one of the three shows that changed my life as a kid. Uh, the other two being uh, The Munsters and Batman. And primetime began at 7.30. So if you were a, as I was, a 10-year-old kid, Lost in Space was really cool because it was intensely visual. It was very imaginative. I mean, it was those silver Jiffy Pop spacesuits and monsters. And, it, and I knew, even at 10, I knew that that monster had been on voyage to the bottom of the sea three weeks before. <laughs> it didn't matter to me. The, the Jupiter 2 was cool. The robot was cool. The, the, the chariot was cool. You know, Guy Williams was Zorro. If you haven't heard that interview, certainly check it out after today's show. It's in the archive at the website comicbookcentral.net. Uh, of course, you can also find it on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Spotify, the archives out there. Again, that's episode 174. Uh, you can check out every episode there, including my chats with the original and current Lost in Space cast uh, and Lost in Space behind-the-scenes author Mark Cushman. I think during those conversations, at one point, all of them mentioned Kevin Burns. Uh, look, how can you not? He kept the franchise alive and thriving all these years. His legacy lives on, especially with season three of Lost in Space right around the corner. He executive produced that. That's coming soon to Netflix. Brilliant producer, all around good guy. So glad we got to spend some time with him right here on the show. 
One other note I want to get to, the Comic Book Central 7th Anniversary Special, that is right around the corner. As I do every anniversary special, I'm going to be taking a look back at some of the most memorable moments from the past year of the show, and I definitely want to hear from all of you folks out there. If you've got some anniversary greetings you'd like to send along, either in an email or if you'd like to record some audio and send that in as well, I'd be happy to include it in the special joe at comicbookcentral.net. That's the email. You can also click the Signal Me tab at the website, comicbookcentral.net. And if you include your favorite moment or guest from the past year, that would be from episodes 301 to these current episodes. If you do that, that's going to put you in the running for this year's giveaway, which is season five of Legends of Tomorrow on Blu-ray. Wild, wacky series. It includes all of the Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover episodes. Last week on the show, I also mentioned that I might have another giveaway. I'm going to say right now, there are several giveaways coming up. Some tied to the theme of today's show. That's all I'm going to say about that for right now. And those are going to run over the seventh anniversary special and the launch of year eight of the show. So more details to come on that. But for right now, get me an email, record an MP3, send your anniversary greetings in, favorite guests, favorite moments, and you include those. That's going to put you in the running for the giveaway. All right, 40th anniversary time right now for the Popeye feature film starring Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall, directed by the great Robert Altman. First, check this out. Then it's back to the seaside port town of Sweet Haven with the great Roberta Maxwell. Roberta was born in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She started acting in Canada, taking on numerous leading roles with the Shakespeare Festival in Stratford, Ontario. She also spent time acting in Great Britain and here in the U.S. where she made her initial Broadway appearance in the prime of Miss Jean Brody. And she went on to originate the role of Jill in Equus with Anthony Hopkins and Portia in Arnold Wesker's The Merchant. In 1979, she appeared in the comedy-drama feature film Rich Kids, which brought her to the attention of that film's producer, Robert Altman. Altman was putting the cast together for his feature film, Popeye, that he was planning to direct, bringing the E.C. Seeger comic strip character to life on the silver screen, and he wanted Roberta as Olive Oil's mom, Nana Oil. After her time in Malta, a.k.a. Sweet Haven, Roberta went on to numerous stage roles and TV appearances in shows like St. Elsewhere, Law & Order, and Warehouse 13, and feature films such as Psycho 3, Philadelphia, Dead Man Walking, and The Postman. Now joining me now is a star of stage and screen who is as comfortable with Shakespeare as she is with the citizens of Sweet Haven. In 1980, she brought the beloved Thimble Theater character Nana Oyle to life in the feature film Popeye. Oh, my stars and gardens, kids. It's Roberta Maxwell. Ms. Maxwell, thank you so much for joining me on Comic Book Central. Oh, my stars and garters. Are you the piano tuner? <laughs> Do you have a room for rink? Do you have a room for rink? Oh, my stars and garters. Are you the piano tuner or have you come for a room for rink? <laughs> I still love the, you'll, it, you'll catch your death of mud. Oh, yes. You, you, you'll catch your death of mud. <laughs> That's such Come a in, great. You'll catch the death of mud. Oh, what great dialogue! Just and like for a stage actress too. Oh, we'll talk about so much, but for a stage actress, that had to be so cool to get these lines uh, you know, from Pfeiffer, and I think yeah. they were writing on the spot. That had to be just a lovely time, I guess. I mean, well, Malta for six months. We'll talk about that, but still. I mean, what an entrance! Door open, <laughs> up, up he comes, and there he is, Popeye. Mm. You know, it was great. Great way to start uh, five months of my life, all our lives. Oh, we're going to talk about it. We'll try to go to a condensed version of the five months, but happy 40th anniversary, first of all. Right. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And 1980. You know, 1980. And you know the Blu-ray. Did you hear there's a Blu-ray release coming out in December? Did you know that? No. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. No. Okay. Nobody tells me anything. No, but you're just really? the star. You're just one of the stars of the film. What are you supposed to know? No, that's the cool thing. It seems like <laughs> it took 40 years, but I think the film's finally getting some love. Uh, when was the last time you saw the film? Oh, I would say it's at least five years ago. Okay. Um, and you know, it really has become a cult film, hasn't it? Yeah. 
It's got tremendous, it's had tremendous legs. It started slowly. And then, uh, like all good horses, it was really in for the run and finished has finished the race. I, I think it's it's becoming more beloved now. It's reaching a new generation. I saw it was uh, played on Netflix for quite a while. Uh, CBS Streaming, CBS All Access just took it over. Uh, so they've got it on there now. We've got the Blu-ray coming out. Um, and I'm always discovering things about it. As I prep for these interviews, I, I go back and watch it, which is always fun. Um, but I'm like John Bristol as the hermit. I like I knew there was a guy in there, but I now I can't unsee him. He's in like every shot. <laughs> yes. Oh, I remember. Yes, you're right. Oh, Peeking Altman. out, roughing, yes. roughing around, hiding all the time. But he's in like every um, shot. Every time something's going on, he's there, and now I can't unsee him. And it's like Altman filled the screen constantly. He just filled the screen with everything. Yes. He did. He uh, he knew how to make life happen on on screen, on film, mm. and off film too. I must say, yeah. <laughs> for five bucks, yeah, I do. Um, okay, so how, I'm asking everybody right now: How have you been staying safe? How have you been keeping busy in lockdown? How's how's things been going over the past few months? Well, we came. My partner and I came out here because I'm a thousand years old and I've got uh, lung vulnerability and my doctor said don't walk run so we just got on a plane and came out on like march the 4th um before before people were really masking up mm-hmm. and i must say uh it's been um it's been an experience uh, to uh, live uh out here um and it hasn't been unpleasant people People out here are really great. Uh, I just found I just found Donovan actually. Um, oh, on Facebook. I hadn't heard of. Yeah, and I, I and I put a private message on. I don't I don't do Facebook. I'm mad at Facebook. <laughs> so uh, along with a lot of other people, yeah, that'll yeah. that'll fix them. I'm not going to participate anymore. <laughs> oh please. Please come back. No, that's funny. But I did with Donovan, and so we just uh, checked in with one another. Um, it, it has, it's kind of, it's just a very unreal experience. Uh, yeah. Everybody's feeling the same thing, and I think everybody's kind of getting a bit um, tired of it, and that's going to be a problem because now is not the time to be tired. Right. Um, but I'm masking up. I'm doing everything that I'm told to do. I don't fool around. And okay. uh, I've had a few confrontations, which have not been very pleasant. Oh, but like uh, the, in, like in stores and stuff? Like people got in your face or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. don't you have a mask on? Or why do you have a mask on? Right. Kind of I, I've seen it. It's 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 a scary thing. I've said on the show, uh, people know where I stand on this. I mean, put the mask on. It doesn't doesn't take much and it, and it helps it's more about the other person and you know it's comic book central superheroes wear masks right so that's what you do so yeah <laughs> we're glad you're staying yes. safe and actresses, yeah actresses wear masks and yeah so we're used to it but it's you know it's really important especially for you go into a store and yeah. those folks behind the desk they are wearing them eight hours a day so just put your mask on and have some respect yeah. yeah. Um, I want to go back a little bit, a little bit longer than 40 years. I know we're going back 40 years, so I appreciate that. I want to go back a little bit longer than 40 years, though. Uh, born in Toronto, one of my favorite cities on the planet. Yeah. Uh, what was life like for you yeah. growing up in, in Toronto? Only child? Only child. What was it? it was just a great place to get away from um, because it was the 60s. And I'd gone to a convent. And I'd uh, started my career early uh, with the Stratford Shakespeare Festival in Ontario, where I got really grounded and great, great experience and great training. But uh, it was, um, it, it, at first I went to England, I was going to go to school, then I got work. Um, I, I've never really, I, I love Toronto. I love to visit. I love my friends. I love my friends a lot. I love Canadians. I great because I am a Canadian Um, but uh, it was just a wonderful time to be leaving home 
1960, which is when I first went to England, uh, because it, it was breakout time. The culture was breaking up. Uh, it was a very exciting. Yeah, you were taking off. Um, yeah. Did you? Okay, you mentioned uh, you know getting into acting and doing those things there. Did you learn? A valuable acting experience, though, when you were in kindergarten, going way, way back? I wanted to be an actress from the time I was four. And when I was five, I was ready to go. And uh, there I was. I was cast as the Black Starling in the uh, Christmas pageant. And uh, the day before the last rehearsal, I swallowed a peppermint and I couldn't say the line so I had to stay home and they demoted me they did not allow me to make my debut as a black starling in the Christmas pageant Um, right next to Jesus I mean how close can you get to greatness (laughs) you say demoted you got fired though at five though right Uh, yeah I was was removed fired is a very harsh word uh, I was removed because I swallowed a peppermint. The Creative differences. Creative differences. Yes. Lost in the yes. What a, okay, so, but did you take that lesson with you throughout life, though? Because, you know, you don't always get the part. No, I actually, I'll tell you, uh, I was so, let's face it, I was so distraught <laughs> at the removal of my role. Um, that I I couldn't stand to sit in the audience looking at my understudy. And my mother said that I had behaved so badly that um, she would remove me from the auditorium if I didn't pull my act together. Uh, And I have taken that, I took that very seriously. I mean, when you lose roles, you're an actress, but when somebody gets another role, that you really have wanted, uh, you have to learn humility um, and uh, generosity. Uh, and although I have no regrets how I behaved about the Black Starling situation, <laughs> but we become, you know, it, we're, we're very competitive. Actors are very competitive, but we're all in the same boiling in the same soup. So um, <laughs> we can be pretty uh, weak pretty tough with one another but we also we respect the journey the sameness of the journey that we are on that's yes. good that's good parenting right there though she stopped you from becoming a diva early on so so good on you mom uh for that uh what kind of kid were you i was very very thin uh <laughs> they used to think that it was thick people used to look at my tiny little legs and wonder how I got across the street. Uh, I had very, very curly hair. Um, I was an only child, uh, introverted, lots of books in my life. Um, but my all I really wanted to do from the time I was four, when my father came home from the war, all I wanted to do was perform and be an actress. So I pretty much focused on that, I began to I began to act when I was uh, professionally when I was around mm, thirteen. Hmm. I played uh, Tutu, the lost ballerina, to Robert Goulet, woodsman, hunt, hunt woodsman in Howdy Doody, oh, uh, and from there it's just been. Yeah. Just in, uh, what, did you see something? Did you like? Did you see a movie? Did you see a show? Like what? Like what inspired you? Who were your influences? What inspired you to become an actress? Like what did you see? Well, mov- movies because we didn't have any other way to experience other uh, countries and films. Mm-hmm. But I uh, was extremely taken with Glynis John, mm-hmm. English, of course. Um. Uh. In fact, when I went to England, uh, I had to pretend that I was English. So I went to a repertory, uh, my first job, and pretended that I was English. And uh, played that I was Glynis Johns. It was a very trying experience because I not only had to be Glynis Johns off stage, on stage, I had to be Glynis Johns on stage. You, wait, hold on. Like you, you told them you were English? 
Yes, I passed myself <laughs> off as being English. How do you keep up that I didn't charade? Want to be sort of... <laughs> well, I just I had an an ear for. for... Oh, <laughs> that's commitment. I, I thought I thought Sean Penn was committed in your mo- in uh, Dead Man Walking. <laughs> that's. <laughs> oh my God! Wasn't that something? Um, he he yeah. stayed in character off camera, right? Yes, he did. He, he certainly did. He, he said, "I'll tell you a little story." One day, he's very remote. Um, working always intense, but uh, one day during a hurricane, um, uh, when we were filming, uh, we were in the lobby together, and he we were talking, and uh, I asked him how he maintained his character, my son, and um, he said, "I never step out of the frame," and he was looking at me at the time. And I thought, my God, yes, he could kill me if necessary. Oh, my goodness. Oh, mm-hmm. That's Very a powerful. level of commitment. Well, but you, but you were doing that in England, though. But you were, you weren't, you stayed in the, fr- like, I, I think it's interesting how you separate yourself from that. But to convince them that you're English and to go through the whole charade, you had to keep that up when you weren't done. So you were a method before you knew you were a method, I'm guessing. Yes, it was a lot of fun, you know. They pass, pass the crumpets, will you, darling? Um, <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was okay. <laughs> oh, I bet I bet you were fun. I bet you were fun at that time. Um, you've done so much theater work, treading the boards forever, man. It's do you? I'm guessing you prefer theater to film and TV. Yes. Um. Well, there was, certainly there was a up to a certain point. Um. I just want to tell you that the reason I came back from uh, England was because I had to, I was going to be taken into the RSC, um, and uh, it was the beginning of all of that wonderful work. And I thought, I don't want to spend my life being an English actor. That's the Royal Shakespeare really, Company. Yeah, they, okay. it's just, they were just opening, and they were take, bringing in uh, apprentices. And I okay. thought, no. I need to get back to uh, my, who I really am. Wow. Okay. Uh, the question about te- uh, I, I really now, I really love film and television. Oh. Okay. I've just come. I've just come through working now with uh, Richard Nelson, um, who uh, did uh, has done the Apple Plays and the Gabriel Family. It's a series of. Um, uh, a series of plays done at the public theater. Um, and I, I toured the world with the Apple family. Uh, and I, as a person and as an actor, I have learned so much about doing less mm. and speaking the truth to the character. Now, I, I, I could have flourished <laughs> doing the Nana Oils and being that kind of character actor <laughs> for for the rest of my career. But really, uh, the challenge is to stand in front of a camera and uh, tell the truth about the character, not the cover, but who you really are in relationship to a character. Yeah. That's an interesting take because th- I'm guessing the camera, I, I, you know... Stage performers always talk about, you know, you got to hit the back of the the theater, you know, with, a, you know, you got to bring them in. If somebody's sitting in the back of the theater, you got to make sure they're brought into it. Camera, get, you, they're, they're, it's right on you. I mean, it's, there's, there's no hiding. Yeah. There's no hiding. And it's, um, it's, it comes in so close. Although I worked with Richard Nelson, uh, at the public theater on, as the Gabriel and, uh, he, much to many audiences, um, they were very uh, upset about this, although it, they are very successful plays. Um, he always said, let make the audience lean in. You don't mm-hmm. have to go out to them. <laughs> let them come to you. And, you know, an audience, a theater audience, likes to sit there and be entertained. And uh, it was a great lesson, and it's a, a lesson that I... Have used subsequently in uh, another role that I 
have just uh, that I finished working on a film that I worked on. Just you know, let the camera come to you. It will see everything that you do. Is that Percy the movie that you're talking about? Yeah. October yeah. October ninth, twenty twenty. Christopher Walken, Christina Ricci, Zach Braff. We're looking for this, right? Yeah. We are. Wow. <laughs> It'll be interesting. Um, that's just around the corner. That's just around the corner, yeah. Ooh, when this airs, yeah. we can <laughs> we get to see Roberta Maxwell back on the screen. Do you know where it's, where it's going? We're not going to open anywhere, are we? We'll be, it'll be opening on uh, Not In The Theater. I'm going to assume it's a streaming thing, but um, by the time this yeah. airs, I will, I will let my audience know. Because we'll look okay. for that. Uh, best All director right. you've ever worked with, stage or uh, screen? And why? That that's not a question. I don't think that anybody with the breadth and length of my uh, career I can't <laughs> answer because I have worked with so many yeah. great the directors. All right, and that's you could fair. take you know you could take one director who's very who's absolutely knocked you out of the park and put him in another situation with another play, and he wouldn't be able to handle that. Material at all. So I'm, I'm happy to say at this moment, Richard Nelson, uh, who I, yeah, because okay. I learned when, you, when you're with a director and you find a new color, something, something right out of the box that you've never d- touched before, it's, it's like you step into your future. No, that's fair. It's like asking a mom, like, you know, pick your pick your favorite kid. So I, I get that. Um, as I did with Donovan Scott, before I talk Popeye, and we yeah. are going to talk Popeye because it is one of my favorite films of all time, I've got to ask you about working with oh. another director, um, <laughs> Legend in Hollywood, um, Anthony Perkins in Psycho 3 with Donovan Scott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just saw it recently. I wanted to go back and uh, see what he had done. And there was Donovan, my son. What do you got, the DVD downstairs? Would you pull the DVD out or what would you do? No, I uh, I, I went, uh, I, I YouTubed it. I okay. went, uh, uh, yeah. I saw that it's broken up I did the whole thing. I All couldn't right. believe it. I couldn't believe it. What made you want to go back and, what made you want to go back and watch Psycho 3? What, what triggered that? I wanted to see what kind of acting I did back then. Oh. You know, I'm always uh, the student of myself. And uh, the, it was such a huge um, flop for Tony. Um, I really wanted to see why people had, it, it, it has not become the Popeye of the horror world. I wanted to see why it was uh, so roundly uh, rejected. And again, it's that acting thing. Um, uh, when you are creating a character and the audience enjoys it because it's not believable. And uh, so I wanted to see how I handled that character. That's why I went back. How, how do you think you did? Uh, well, when I met Tony, I, I worked with Tony uh, who came... He was in. Uh, he was one of the replacements, um, Tony Hopkins' replacements in Equus, oh, and uh, we got along very well. Sweet guy, uh, really a good actor. Undone by his success, of course, in Psycho, he would have had a very mm-hmm. different career, and he always knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, undone by success. What a what a way to go. Um, but he said to me. Uh, that he wanted a kind of um, Nancy Drew, and that's what I gave him. Um, oh wow! He also, he, when he, when we started to read, he, he read of course with me, and when he started to read, he it put the chills up on my back. <laughs> it was so scary. <laughs> and in that last scene, it was wonderful. I really liked him. Uh, he said, um, when you're backing up, you know, you're going up the stairs. And he said, well, here it is, Roberta, your chance to reveal the entire script and motivation as we back up these stairs. And I'd like you to do it in one take. Oh. 
Because it's all the exposition. Yeah. But who knew what really the character was all about? Oh, did you get it in one take? Yes. Holy mackerel. That's... And if you you remember, there might have been a little glitch when he was walking up the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) And he just tipped. The, the 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 picture, picture on the wall. Frame, the but picture frame. I think frame. he did it in one place. Yeah, remember he just flipped it. It's so. And never stopped. People, it's on. It's on YouTube. I think it's somebody's got that split up, like you said, and it's part seven. But you see him going. It's so weird because he like, you bump the picture, and then he's, he's not so focused on the killing as much as the correcting the picture. <laughs> Just in the picture. That's right. Oh, it's crazy. A little different emotional impact on this film when the director yells cut. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the audience audience was very disappointed that I wasn't killed. (laughs) And that, yeah, oh yeah, they were really pissed off. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Lived to do another play, but he didn't. He wanted to use me in the next. He thought it was going to be a, you know, a great success, of course. Yeah. And he wanted to use me in, in Psycho Four, <laughs> so that's why he didn't kill me. That's that's a great story. That's a great story. All right, another great director, uh, Robert Altman. Rich Kids was the film that that got you Popeye. Yeah, Rich Kids. With Paul Dooley. Uh, gosh, I forgot. With Paul, yeah. That's a long time ago. I haven't seen <laughs> that's a film I haven't accessed or thought of for a long time. 1979, yeah. Robert Altman produced it. Yeah. Okay, so what's the call like? So yeah. you get, so you're working for Robert Altman. He's the producer, he's the boss. And then what, tell, like, walk us through the call. Is it from Altman? Is it from somebody else? Is it from Evans? Is it like who? How do you get the call for Popeye? And what do you say? Like because it's Popeye, right? Like you're a stage actress, you're a Shakespearean stage actress, and you get a call for Popeye. Well, my agent actually called me. Okay, and he said uh, <laughs> we've had a call from Robert Altman, <laughs> and uh, we he has uh, this project that he's very interested in having you participate with. And would you? And I said, yes, I will. <laughs> Didn't even have to finish the line. <laughs> yep, I'm on board. <laughs> and my agent said, oh, look, it's going to be, uh, it, it, you'll be at least two months in Malta. <laughs> <It'll>... <laughs> uh, oh, and um, so really we don't, uh, and, and you'll be playing this old lady, and we just don't suggest that this is a great career move. And I said, <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to be there. Oh, yeah, stop with the hard sell. Yeah, stop with the hard sell, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> when when so did you, scared. right, but when did you find out it was Popeye? And, and like, you knew Popeye. You knew Popeye, right? Because Popeye was Popeye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, right, that's what my agent said. You're, you know, this is uh, for uh, the, his project, Popeye, and... Uh, You'll be playing uh, Nana Oil, and uh, it's an old lady, and uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, we don't advise it. So fortunately, yeah. I didn't take the advice. And, yeah. uh, well, we had the, we had, you know, it was, the, it was the experience, one of those experiences of your lifetime, um, to, be, uh, to be with a master in the presence of a great not only a great director, but a great human being. Mm. Yeah. No, it's interesting you say that. What did you, like, you knew the character of, like, you knew the comic strip, Thimble Theater, you knew Popeye, Olive. Did you know anything? Like, were you a fan of it? Did you know about the character? Did you have to, like, start looking through comic strips and things? No, I didn't. Uh, you know, the only thing up to that point that I'd ever read was Dostoevsky and Chekhov. <laughs> so, uh, comic books. Were you not, and I had different. I you and I had different reading sources when we were growing up. I read Popeye. <laughs> well, and here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> no oh, problem. Brilliant. Brilliant. No, go ahead. So, okay. Um, so, what was your homework? What was your homework on Popeye? I, nothing until <laughs> I reached. And, and until I reached the, the Bob, 
uh, and on the set. And wow, it, it, it was it kind of evolved. But the key was sitting in that makeup chair for an hour, and they that fantastic Italian, those genius, putting the character together for me, the wigs, the makeup, costume. Um, it was it. I actually had to. It was it was the character, and I filled it. I became part of it, and then it became part of me. What was life like for you when you arrived on Malta? Like, yeah, two months. You two months. You'll be in Malta. You get to Malta, and what? Well, it was like a circus. Uh, getting on the plane. First of all, I kind of freaked out the the morning before, and I thought, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. I just, I'll have to call my agent. And my agent said, you're doing this. You are getting on that plane and you are doing it. Oh, I said, all right. So friends came over, packed me, put me on. And the plane, which was packed with us, it was like, um, there was a kind of feeling of a medieval circus to it. A traveling player. You know those films you see, those Italian films where people have masks and they come into town and there's music and you are, you're a community and you're completely, really isolated from the rest of the town. And that's what it was like. We began, we kind of sealed ourselves in and he was the ringmaster. Bob was the guy who ran the show on, on a daily basis too. And people formed, we just became, became Sweet Haven. When we walked, you know, when we, when we got off the plane, there had been a huge storm the night before. Oh. And the set had been destroyed. The, the, down by the dock. Okay, not, not, that, not let, me, let me back up a second because uh, flight going out. So they, basically for people who haven't seen the film or don't know the backstory, and we've talked about it on Comic Book Central, um, he, built, he built Sweet Haven. He had Sweet Haven built. Yes. Entire town. Yes. So did you know going out that you were going to be filming in a town that he built, or was that a surprise to you? No. That was a huge surprise, because when we we all walked in and walked down and saw it, it was like magic. There it was, a complete set. It wasn't a set. It was a village Yeah. that was more real to us than villages and towns that we'd actually, certainly a lot more fun, than we actually had experienced in our lives. It was complete. And it was sweet haven. But you said part of it was destroyed when you got the, on there. On the deck. You know, you know when... The dock when Popeye wow, you know, it comes in. Yeah. Yeah, completely wiped out. Wow. Uh, by this hurricane. Ugh. Uh, and it was... Yeah, it was a, a shock for <sighs> for Bob and for you know for everybody for Scotty and yeah it it, it that that it was a disaster it was a disaster starting way to start but um, he had such joy such fabulous kind of this was not going to be a problem he was it, it was all going to be taken care of we all we, we weren't going to be definitely all bundled up and put back on the plane and sent back to, to JFK, that was for sure. He was, he, was, he was like a big daddy, like a big, huge presence that took care of everything. But doesn't that speak to his leadership uh, ability that he didn't let you see that? He was probably freaking out because that's a lot of money. And obviously, oh, I think so. Yeah, but he doesn't let you see that yeah, because you have to perform. Good. Yeah. Um, there's a in the, confidence. Right, right. There's a great book called The Popeye Story. It's pretty much a diary of everything that happens. It talks about, and I don't know if you, and again, I appreciate you going back 40 years through the miss of time, um, but it mentions uh, Altman's pick-a-tick method for actors finding the character. Do you recall anything about that? What does that mean? Um, Like he had, it talked about how he would allow the actors to kind of find little quirks about their own characters. They don't necessarily have to be written in by Pfeiffer, but... He kind of let you guys discover things in the process. Oh, oh, 
I see. Oh, absolutely, yes. Okay. No, there was no, uh, there was no kind of looking at the script and say, saying, and now the character uh, who has a twitch uh, will be looking to the left uh, nervously. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, it was wide open, and uh, and he loved actors. He just loved what his actors brought to him, which is why they felt so free. And why Robin, my, you know, why Robin did that kind of extraordinary work for film. Um, he was uh, very, uh, he was just, his genius was allowed full play. What does that mean? What, t- walk us through a little bit of that. Did you, I guess um, this is 80, yeah, so Mork and Mindy is pretty, pretty huge at the time did but yeah i mean you're stage actors i don't know if you watch mork and mindy did you know who he was did you know what he did what what just walk us through your experience with robin williams well mork and mindy Hmm. um and the um his ability to be so present um and so dangerous because you felt he could do or anything and as an actress who has read Dostoevsky and Chekhov. Uh, he was a he was a you know he was he was a a, a wonder, uh, and he had that same. Also, I tell you, he had that same kind of tragic thing behind his eyes, like Andy Kaufman, who I revere. There, there, there were just levels of un, unsaid levels that uh, he. He brought even to, even to Mark and Mindy. Uh, funny, but whatever planet he was on uh, had been on before he got to us. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it it hadn't been all it hadn't it hadn't been as much fun as uh, he was uh, giving to us. He had a history, and you felt that really about Popeye. There was something about his Popeye that was. More than three dimensional, the psyche. There, you know, there was laughter and pain, but need and generosity and wonderful. Yeah. You saw something that was going on, even then. That was like he was working on different levels. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, that kind of brain, humanity, rage. You know. Oh, uh, Shelley Duvall. What was uh, what was she like on set? Because I I've often said this on the show too. I think Christopher Reeve. I can't imagine a better marriage of character and actor with Superman and Christopher Reeve. I can't imagine a a better characterization than Robin Williams and Popeye and Shelley Duvall's olive oil. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was really extraordinary, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Uh. She'd just come from The Shining, mm. and she'd only been, I think, most her, most of her work had been done with Bob, and uh, The Shining was a very scary experience for her. Um, you know, when the, when, when he was screaming Red Room, um, they did 99 takes of that. <sighs> when, yeah. Kubert, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 1999 takes. She, she, she sat one night and talked to us about it. So I think, you know, I, she herself is such a, a kind of strange and odd character. Um, I think she was, I think she really understood the humor and the kind of otherworldliness of all of. Uh, I don't know how they work together. Uh, I Bob only did three takes. If if if, if you didn't uh, have, he would say uh, cut after three takes. He'd give you three chances, um, and then he said the light would go out of the actor's eyes, so he'd just move on take what he what he could from the other three takes. Uh, I don't know you I don't I don't know what their 
how they did that magic, had that magical relationship. Uh, but it was very special. I want to talk about the dialogue too in the film. Uh, the the oil family, uh, again, they're hooked up a little different. Um, this just reminds me of just there, there's the dinner scene, uh, and when you get the script, uh, again going back through the miss of time, so whatever you recall, but it's just the this overlapping dialogue, and it almost seems like that dinner scene itself could be a stage, be on a stage play. Um, it's there's so much going on and there's so many levels and there's just overlapping dialogue and it's rapid fire. Was was that a challenge for you or as a stage actress, did you just like tear into that? Yeah, we, he he hired stage actors. That's why he like, he, he could do something like that because we were uh, loose and able to interact. It, you never felt that you were, it was this scene you were in the moment, uh, and of course it was a family. You were fighting for your life for the breadcrumb. Um, <laughs> that was such a fun. That was that was such a fun uh, scene to. There was there was improvisation in that scene. Oh really? Um, as I recall, as I recall, uh, if maybe it only happened in the rehearsal, but uh, there was. You know, there were a lot of funny people in that. <laughs> so, oh, Libertini, uh, Dooley, you, I mean, um, yeah. is it McIntyre? Um, McIntyre, oh, McIntyre. Oh, my God, McIntyre. Um, so it, it was, yeah, it, it was uh, very much in the moment and let's go and drop, uh, drop into it and see what happens. Oh. There's a lot of life going on there. It's magic. There's even a beautiful scene too with you and McIntyre when the oils lose the house or they're ready to lose the house, and pretty much throughout the film he's just <laughs> saying, you know, you owe me an apology. You owe me an apology, which is a it's brilliant comedy. But there's oh, a beautiful he, scene where you like the the yeah. newspaper comes down and he's weeping. Yeah, you see that can only come from an actor. Bob, mm. neither Bob nor Pfeiffer are going to say he's weeping. Mm. That was that was a moment of, of real truth that McIntyre was experiencing, and it and it, it could only it couldn't come from a script. It would have to come from his real from his heart. Yeah. The destruction of the oil house by Bluto. Can you walk us through a little bit of that? Um, I think today it would probably. I don't know how Altman would work in a CGI. Movie world, I'm sure all the sets would be created in a computer, but um, they pretty much destroyed everything around you guys, right? Yeah, um, it was kind of frantic. Um, that's all I can remember that there was an energy there that uh, we were scared of him. That actor, oh, Paul Smith. Um, yeah, we really believed that. He uh, okay, it's interesting because I kind of <laughs> ran through the cast with Donovan. I kind of did free association with him a little bit just to get his thoughts on them. And I got to Paul Smith and he said, next. (laughs) 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 Would you care to elaborate? He wasn't the most favorite guy on the set. (laughs) Why? Um, A little intense? Yeah, yeah, he was full of himself. And there was a lot of him to be full of. Um, (laughs) And uh, he always had a second portion. His wife, who was tiny, as tiny as I am now, uh, she would always make sure that uh, there were three and four portions set aside for Paul. He's Bluto. Because he had to be filled up. Yeah, he's Bluto. Um, And, and you know, everybody was kind of, people really interacted with each other and cared about each other. And, and you know, I go through, I've been going through the, I've been going through the the cast list here and thinking, oh that, oh oh yeah, the, that girl. I wonder if she that. And of course, a lot of them never really had careers. Mm. Um, but we all we all really really cared for one another. Um, there was a kind of mourning um, when Susan, what was her name, the waitress, she died very young. Uh, Susan Kingsley. 
she was like 37, and Bob adored her. Uh, she just, you know, there's a certain kind of actress, young actress, uh, that Bob really was attracted to. And it, it had a lot to do with how they um, manipulated their mouths, how they used their mouths. I can see her now. Uh, but Paul was not loved. Let me put it that way. Next. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, I'm thinking of Sean Penn with staying in character. It's like, doesn't that, didn't that suit for Bluto? Maybe he was method. I don't know. Like that. Cause like, he's not, he's the villain, right? I don't know. Yeah. And I don't think he, I don't think he played anything else except big guys who ate three portions of lunch. No, it's fine. Cause I, I kind of like that aspect of it that, of of everybody there, he wasn't like, but he was Bluto, and so that sort of plays into the history of the character. Yeah. So I kind of groove on that a yeah. little bit too. Yeah, he had full support from his tiny little wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that final battle with Bluto in the Mediterranean Sea. Um, you're you're on the ship, right? You're on the paddle boat. Yes. All right. Okay. Uh, with Ray Walston. <laughs> Can you, again, just yes. tell us what you recall about that experience. And if I'm not mistaken, once they got into, uh, was it uh, Pirate's Cove or whatever, you know, I think you had to, I think you had to bolt for Shakespeare play. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I kept saying, well, it was just endless. <laughs> he could have been there. Bob could have had us there till September. He just he just loved. He, he wanted the he wanted the party to go on. I know he wanted it to, to stop because yeah. Bob Evans was breathing down his neck really yeah. hard. The reason I think apparently the rumor is that he he could have done this in uh, thank God he didn't, but in uh, Nova Scotia, which was very beautiful. Mm. But he wanted to get away as far from Bob Evans as he could, which is, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> understandable because Bob was uh, on, really uh, on his back. And, you know, the movie was only $20 million. But it was yeah. like, you know, the, the crown jewels had to be mm-hmm. dug up out of the back of the lot in order to pay for it. Um, yeah, I was ready to go. Uh, I had... Uh, I had Nina in Chekhov yeah. at the Stratford Festival in Ontario and with a very great director, Robin Phillips. And uh, I knew that I was going to be, um, it was really going to be important. So I kept saying, this is it. I'm leaving. If you don't finish this today, I'm out of here. Me, little me. That's about Robert Altman. Um so, uh, yeah, but in all fairness, you had put in the time. Yeah, I had a great time putting in the in the time. So. Yeah, six months. But it months. was just time. Yeah. It was time to go. Also, there was something, you know, they, this, Malta didn't like us. The people there did not like us. <laughs> uh, we were rich. We got um, uh, you know, a, a daily uh, money handed to us in cash. Uh, there was a lot of gambling. There was a lot of um, recreational uh, drugs. Uh, we were not cat. I mean, we were we were the devil. And they were repressed. You know, this little island that hadn't had any tourism, and suddenly this group of crazy people exploded into their <laughs> town. Um, and uh, they didn't approve. They were envious. They were angry a lot of the time, the guys, um, because they didn't have, have the kind of life that we had. had. I, I, you recognize that. So um, it was just time to leave. Sometimes you'd hear this is a, a buzzing at night in the air, like wires, and I thought, you know, someone's going to die on the set mm. before we get off here. It had this really ominous, eerie feeling towards it at the end. Uh, so I was all set to go and say, Nina, in Chekhov. 
Um, and uh, I remember that that water, the making sure the water was freezing, everybody was in suit. And I just knew that uh, another day was not going to be as much fun as any day before. Yeah. I, I was sad to say goodbye to everybody, but uh, it was time, you know. And what a, what a way to go. What a scene to end on. Did you um, – it's interesting because I go back and watch the film now because I think – and correct me if I'm wrong on this uh, – Wayne Robson, actor Wayne Robson, who played Chisel Flint in the flick, uh, he – Made him, yeah. Yeah, he strapped into the Nana dress and played you in the long in the wide shots, right? Yes, only another Canadian could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well padded, uh, well padded costume yes. there. Um, yes. So, because I'm yes. watching it now, I just I I refreshed my memory on that. And I went back and watched it, and there's a lot of scenes of Nana hiding behind. Uh, ducking behind things. I do. <laughs> I do want to ask you because I'm. I. I think I see you like dancing on the ship. Uh, the ships crash. Yeah. Um. I know they yes. had fakey fake ships that crashed. Were you on a ship that crashed? I don't think so. Okay, all stunt people. I'm no. guessing. Uh, so you're just hanging yeah. out in the water and stuff. Yeah. But did you at any time? Yeah. Right. But did you at any time get to participate in? Um, Popeye the Sailor Man, the the final dance sequence, on your close-ups. No. Okay. No, I don't think so. Okay, nothing. Because uh, I watch <laughs> that, and I'm, I keep trying to find you. And I see Libertini, and I see Dooley, and I don't see you. Uh, so you're off. <laughs> no, Nana, Nana was Nana was off learning Russian. Yes, learning her lines for Russia. Yes. You're off in, in Ontario playing Nina at that point. Um, so when did you see the first, when did you see the final film um, and what were your thoughts on it? I kind of want to, what did you think of it? I, well, oh, I thought, we thought, actually we saw it at, um, we saw it on, on a big screen in, uh, in New York mm-hmm. in a theater. And we were completely knocked out by it. Okay. And of course, we all recognized um, that we all thought it was terrific. I don't know what Ray Walston I wonder what Dove said about Ray Walston. He was a character. Um, I don't think Ray was there. I think it was mostly the, um, the New York actors who all got together and watched it. And we all thought it was fabulous, of course. Okay. And we thought we were fabulous, of course. And uh, then, of course, we weren't treated very well. It was over. I, I can't even remember. I don't think we had a like a an opening, you know, a, a, a grand, great opening where people walk around in nice dresses and drink champagne and say, darling, you were fabulous. No, I don't <laughs> think we had that. I don't think uh, Bob, Evans, Bob Evans gave us that. Or maybe Bob Altman said that. <laughs> Live on our laurels. It's um, very irreverent. No, it's it's amazing because the film it did go over budget. That's fair, but it's you know, twenty million, and it made sixty. So at the time, you know, definitely it made money. Uh, we've talked about this on the show. The I think the politics that were involved. I think it was Altman. I think they just uh, he was a he was a Oh, they hated him. Yeah. They hated him. Yeah. Because they couldn't control him. Right. You know, when... I can't... Was it Bob Evans who... who, who, who Bob, Robert Evans produced. Psycho? Bob Altman... Yeah, uh, Bob Altman directed. Psycho and Joel Pfeiffer did the script as best he could. And I told it out of Malta as well. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, he who laughs last, laughs best. <laughs> she said whimsically <laughs> whimsically and looking back to the miss of time yeah it's a beloved film um yes. do you get do you still get comments on it to pe- from people uh, i don't no okay. uh even in at the age i have <laughs> at the age i have uh, uh, now achieved 
people don't recognize me as Mama Oil. Well, I can't imagine what you were. I mean, you were playing. You were Donna. You were like a, a few years older than Donovan Scott, and you're playing his mother. So yeah, the 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 costuming was brilliant. Um, look, it's. It's an amazing film. I think it's getting a new life now. Obviously, Blu-ray is going to come out, so I think you're going to you're going to get uh, some comments on this. Um, we mentioned you're still acting. Percy, October 9th, uh, Christopher Walken, Christina Ricci, and Zach Braff. What can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's a Canadian story about a. Uh, it's a great story about uh, David and Goliath in a way. Uh, how uh, Monsanto, which is such a crucial enemy to all life on this planet, uh, moved and tried to destroy this farmer, uh, uh, played by Chris Walken, brilliantly, of course. Um, And we all were in Winnipeg and Manitoba. It was made on a shoestring. Um, It was nice script, uh, headed by the the great one, Walken. Uh, I have seen it once, um, and I think it's a, I think it's, a, I think it's a very good film made on a small budget about a hero who was a farmer in Saskatchewan. Do you do a walkin? Everybody does a walkin. No, I don't. You're an actress. I don't. Oh, no. come on. Somebody no. was doing a walk-in on set, didn't they? I don't know. I No, not that I recall. That was almost walking like nope. right there when you said that. Just, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> the film mm. uh we're looking forward to this we love all these actors we love you uh stage work you still doing stage work and not now but i mean you're you're up for it uh, under the right circumstances yes uh i would be uh, happy to play um an interesting role uh in in a limited run i you know i love new york and i love the public theater uh, and I've had a fantastic experience with Richard Nelson. So if Richard Nelson asked me to uh, do anything, I'd be on board. Yeah. What's the right circumstances? What's the best case scenario here for you? COVID goes away, uh, Broadway opens back up again, and you're treading the boards. What's what's the best case scenario for you? Uh, anything that has Richard Nelson involved. <laughs> Uh, that uh, yeah, that's being done at the public theater. All right, it's a, it's just a great organization. Where are you located? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Uh-huh. Have you ever been to the public theater in New York City? I have not. That would be amazing. It's 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 worth a trip. It really is. Uh, it's a great 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 organization. We were there on the night of the um, disaster, 2016. We opened our play on that night. And we came out and we felt, we felt everyone was celebrating. And of course, it's, a, you know, New York liberals. We were all so confident and we were all fantastic. And then the world fell apart. So, and again, a, you know, great leader. Like, you, you should see it. You, you should just walk in. It's an, it's an amazing institution. So I'd, I'd, I'd walk backwards, uh, shoeless and walk backwards to uh, work and work with him again. Or even big giant shoes yeah. like Nana Oil, uh, Warren, Popeye, uh, shoeless or giant <laughs> shoes, you cover it all. Uh, my goodness, Miss um, Maxwell, this has been okay. a treat. Thank, Thank you, you so much for celebrating forty and the fortieth anniversary of Popeye here. We love revisiting Sweet Haven. We love this charming film. Can't wait for the Blu-ray. That's going to be fantastic. And thank you for joining me on Comic Book Central. Thank you for asking me. I didn't think I had an hour in me. I said, oh, they're going to get so bored after 15 (laughs) minutes. But you have have kept this boat afloat. (laughs) Not with you. Not with your career. Uh, You're amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Bye. Now, the film Percy with Christopher Walken, Christina Ricci, and Roberta Maxwell is scheduled for release Friday, October 9th. 
as of this recording, I'm seeing it listed on the production company's website as a theatrical release. I'm not sure if it's going to remain as such, but you can keep an eye on updates at their website. It's mongrelmedia.com. I'll put a link to that website in the show notes for this episode at my website, comicbookcentral.net. And it looks like we might have an update on the Popeye Blu-ray. I checked that out and it looks like the special features are going to include a return to Sweet Haven, a look back with Robin and the Altmans, also the Popeye Company players. That's going to be a cool one. A couple of other extras are listed on there. From my recent chats here on Comic Book Central, it doesn't seem like there are going to be new interviews. At least the folks I chatted with said they didn't have any new interviews. So it looks like Paramount and Disney hit the old archives uh, for those. But that's going to be fun to go back and uh, take a time trip back to 1980 to see those. And nice to see the film getting some attention for the 40th anniversary. My thanks to Roberta Maxwell for dropping by today to look back at her time in Sweet Haven. Of course, my thanks to her movie son, Donovan Scott, the great Paul Dooley as well, and the legend that is Jules Pfeiffer. My thanks to all, all of those guests for helping me celebrate Popeye's 40th anniversary this year. And I hope I'm not done yet. I've got a few more requests out there. We'll see if we can keep this Sweet Haven celebration going. All right, folks, that is it for today. I'm going to sail on out of here. Got a lot going on. Uh, I've got the the episode archives that I've got to pour through right now for the 7th anniversary special. That's going to be headed your way soon. So get those anniversary greetings, favorite guests and moments. Get those to me now, joe at comicbookcentral.net. I'm going to include those in the show. And if you include your favorite guest and or moment, that's going to put you in the running for the giveaway. I'm also scheduling several guests for the weeks ahead, working out the scheduling right now. So keep an eye on the social media pages for the show. I'm going to be making guest announcements there. Facebook.com slash Comic Book Central Network. Twitter at Comic Book CTRL. Those platforms are where you can share the lair. Share the lair. Go share this episode on Facebook right now. Retweet it on Twitter. I always dig it when you cats do that for me. Get the word out. Look, your followers on social media, they love this stuff. You know that, so get this out to them. Until next time, keep safe, keep eating your spinach, keep reading those comics, and thanks for joining me here in the lair. Comic Book Central, where comic books come to life. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Comic Book Central. All of the content and names are registered trademarks and copyrights of the respective holders. Are you the piano tuner or the man with the party favor? You got a room for rink. What? For what? Rink. Rink, your sign says you got a room for rink. Oh, my stars and gardens. My mind was a million miles away. Come in before you catch your death of mud. Mud.